When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. John Andrasik of Five for Fighting rocks the anthem in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, July 5th. He joined me to discuss his biggest hits from Superman, It's Not Easy, to 100 Years, as well as his diehard passion for hockey and whether Alex Ovechkin can break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goals record. Hey, John Andrasik, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Nice beer, Jason. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We're talking because Five for Fighting, uh, which is your, you know, alter ego. <laughs> it's coming <laughs> to the anthem here in D.C. on July 5th. Um, now, you and I spoke like in 2017 when you played the Memorial Day concert. Um, yeah. if you want to check that out in the archives, folks. But, but you know, that when it's a show like that, you got to, you know, you play the patriotic stuff, whatever. But this one at the anthem is going to be like the big full, you know, all of your stuff. So, you know, what are we going to hear? Is is it greatest hits? Or is there like an, any new albums you're working on that you're going to try some stuff out or what we got? Well, you know, we're opening for the Bare Naked Ladies, so it's going to be more of a party show. It's a fun summer show. But, of course, being in D.C., you know, the day after the 4th of July, uh, we'll certainly play a song that recognizes our troops, our military families. So it should be a lot of fun. You know, we'll play 100 Years. We'll play Superman. There's something for everybody. Uh, the guys are really excited. As I said, it's always special to be in the capital of our country. And uh, we're raring to go. I'm glad you're raring to go. So we're raring to see you. So wait, so if, if you're playing on the 5th, does that mean you're going to get in, you know, a day or two early and get to be in the nation's capital for the 4th and see the fireworks or anything like that? Or you get in pretty, pretty late night and won't have a chance? Unfortunately not. We're actually playing Raleigh, you know, up the street from you guys, down the street from you guys um, <laughs> on the 4th. And um, so we'll be doing there. We're excited about that. But we do have an off day in D.C., so I'll certainly be doing a jog through the mall, seeing some friends, going to Georgia Browns, you know, hitting <laughs> all my favorite uh, DC joints and uh, seeing some friends on the hill as well. Awesome. Well, either way, a little of that 4th of July summer party magic will still carry over for the 5th. I'm I'm sure. Even if even if you won't be here for the exact technical 4th. Uh all right, cool. And and say a little bit more about the Bare Naked Ladies. I mean, they I mean, they're they must be so much fun. I gosh, I saw them open for who was it? I think like Hootie and the Blowfish at Merriweather. I think I think that's what it was. But they're such a good show, but what's it like, you know, getting to tour with them? It's great. We've been talking about it for a few years and uh, we have the same agent. We are we're actually on the Chicken Little soundtrack. There's a little trivia for you together back in 2005. Wow. Um, you know, I've always been fans of theirs. A lot of my guys in my band are Canadian, so we got a lot of Canadian love. And yeah, as you said, they put on one of the best live shows in the world. So it's uh, exciting to go back to the future and, and folks will, you know, hear some of their hits. They'll hear some of our hits. We'll have some fun. We'll play some covers. I will be playing the song that I wrote for Ukraine that when I went to Ukraine and filmed the video with the Ukrainian orchestra. So I'll be talking a little bit about my experience in Ukraine and, and that song and kind of where it came from. 
so you know we'll have some laughs maybe some some tears and uh but certainly a lot of joy and a lot of fun on the summer night awesome sounds great sounds great um all right well uh i guess whenever i have someone on i love to sort of chart your journey a little bit if we have you know young young aspiring musicians they always yeah. love to hear how you got started so um yeah. i know you're born in in la you know in the 60s like what what did you grow up listening to how did you start playing piano i want to know like a good early roots uh, of your music origin story <laughs> yeah sure mom was a piano teacher so she started me very young two years old on the piano kind of learning the instrument. My dad was actually an astrophysicist at NASA. So I had these two parts of my brain going on as a child. Um, <laughs> always loved music. When music was kind of cut out of the LA Unified Schools, my mom took over, started doing musicals. So I was Tony and West Side Story. But I always found myself kind of as, as this lover of pop music. Of course, you know, the Billy Joels, the Elton Johns, the Joni Mitchells, but I love classic rock. I love Led Zeppelin. I love The Who. I love ACDC. And yeah. I love the singers, right? I love the great singers of my kind of early teenage years. And who were they? Of course, Steve Perry from Journey, Freddie Mercury from, from Queen. And I found Steve Perry's voice teacher. So I started taking voice in my early teens. What do you mean uh, you start, found him? You just looked him up in the phone booth or how'd you track him down? No, I try. I have a lot of friends like teaching, you know, LA was kind of the home for a lot of the big voice teachers, right? Cause all the, all the rockers were here. You know, this yeah. guy was teaching Axl Rose and Jack White and all these guys and, and Steve Perry. So I found him actually, we, most of us trained operatically, which many folks don't know. So you kind of train operatically. And there was actually a time kind of in my early twenties. Do I want to go opera or do I want to go, pop or rock and as i said you know i wasn't listening to Pavarotti; i was listening to led zeppelin and, <laughs> and just started writing songs and playing shows and um you know i was fortunate the stars aligned i was a you know i'm one of those 15 year overnight success stories right i i grinded <laughs> and grinded and had a record company close on me but wrote thousands of songs and persevered and worked with some amazing people and and um tried to kind of do the business side as well as the music side a lot of kids aspiring don't understand there's a business side that frankly is more critical than your talent so you have to do kind of all that stuff and and fortunately you know i i had a few songs that that people uh embraced and and here we are 20 25 years later and they're still singing them back to me so i'm very blessed i don't take it for granted but um i tell kids you know there's kind of three things you know write a lot of songs Record your songs, listen back to them, learn, evolve, work with great people, and play live. The hardest thing is play live. It's scary, but you'll learn more about your song in two minutes playing it live than two years playing it for your friends. So that's my advice to aspiring songwriters. Wow, there it is. The three-step process by John. There you go. Everybody, you know, follow suit. Um, awesome. Well, you said one record label closed on you. So um you have but but you did eventually sign with EMI and founded, you know, Five for Fighting. Uh, a lot of people hear it and they probably think it's like a band, but it's kind of just like you, you know what I mean? Like you're alter ego, kind of, right? Well, it's funny, you know, in EMI Records in the late 90s, we just finished my first record and they came to me and said, Hey, we want to. We want a band name. It's the age of Lilith Fair, boy bands, grunge. Yeah. You know, they're the singer songwriter is dead. And and I, I was kind of halfway insulted, but I was <laughs> I wanted my record to come out. And I just yeah. come from a hockey game and hockey fans, you know, Caps fans will remember Marty McSorley, Wayne Gretzky's bodyguard. And he got in a fight that day and they said, we need a band name. I kind of spit out five for fighting, expecting them to hate it. And they're like, we love it. I'm it like, is catchy. Nuts. 
you're a wacko. It sounds like we should be opening for Metallica. And uh, <laughs> early in my career, I was booked in all these heavy metal gigs with a keyboard playing Superman. Imagine that, you know, so people were moshing and having uh, so. But anyways, you know, it's actually paid great dividends. It, it makes it about the music. It's allowed me to play some incredible sporting events that probably John Andrasik, Andrasik doesn't play. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're one and forever, five for fighting for better or worse. And uh, here we are kind of right in the middle of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's good timing for five for fighting. Yeah, exactly. It's very catchy. Five for fighting in the penalty box. There you go. Uh, one time I want them to flip it. I want one of the referees to, you know, there's like high sticking or something. And they just say five for John Andrasik. You know, just flip, just slip it in there one time. I just want a band called two for hooking so they could open up for us, you know, two, two for, for hooking. But that might carry. Fighting. That might carry a different connotation. That's true. Maybe we should go two for roughing. <laughs> roughing, yeah, offsides or something. Yeah, no, that's it's 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 brilliant. Speaking of which, just real quick, I want to get to some of your biggest hits before we run. But while we're on the hockey thing, do you think uh, Alex Ovechkin has a chance to break Gretzky's goals record ever, or do you think it's too far out there? You know, if you would have asked anybody three, four years ago, they would have said no way. But I think he's going to do it. The dude is just, you know, he's strong. He doesn't get hurt. He's ageless. He's, you know, you could just put him on the power play. He's going to score you 30 goals just sitting there on the corner wing. So I think he's going to do it. And I'm excited for him. And I'm excited for Cavs fans. And I think even Wayne's excited, you know, to see somebody kind of break an unbreakable record. So, you know, I know I know the folks in your town uh, certainly are grateful for him and was so excited for see, to see him get a ring and be passed out in a fountain drinking out of the cup. One of the greatest things I've ever seen. <laughs> the town was insane when they won the Stanley Cup. Those guys, they they celebrated like no one had ever celebrated. But the town was all for it. And I'm glad that, that they got that. And I, I, I it feels it feels like we're far away from a another Stanley Cup. But at least at least the OV record, the goals chase will keep us interested for another couple of years. Here, hopefully, who's your favorite hockey player ever? I have to ask. You know, I'm an L.A. Kings guy. You see my jerseys up there. For those of you watching, there's my Luke, Luke Robitaille jersey next to my Pat Tillman jersey. But, yeah, you know, there's a guy named Dave Taylor um, back in the day. Old hockey fans remember he played for the Kings on the Triple Crown line, and he was great. He was a guy. He was tough. He could score. He could pass. He could go in the corners. He was a GM for the Kings who actually drafted Drew Doughty and some of their superstars. So, yeah, Dave Taylor, he's hanging in the rafters. He should be in the Hall of Fame. That's my favorite player of all time. We'll keep, just from this podcast, they, they'll listen to this and put him in the Hall of Fame. This will be what gets it over the edge, I'm sure. The tipping point. Probably not. Pushed it over. The tipping point. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. 
Uh, all right. Well, back to the music really fast. Uh, obviously, after that first album message for Albert 97, uh, the big, big one that you blew up on was the second one, uh, America Town in 2000. Of course, it featured one well, of the songs you already mentioned, Superman. You know, I'm more than a bird, more than a plane. Even heroes have the right to bleed. All, all sorts of great turns of phrases in there. But how did you come up with it? Were you a big Superman comic book fan or was it just like a helpful, uh, a convenient analogy to sort of talk about something else? Yeah, I think it was more the symbolism, you know, uh, it was one of thousands of songs I wrote when I first wrote it. I, I frankly didn't think it was for me. You know, I was doing the rock stuff. But yeah, it's just kind of you take an iconic kind of symbol and you twist it. You know, I think so many people try to be the rock for everybody, try to um, try to be the hero in every aspect of their lives. And sometimes they forget about taking care of themselves. And I think that's why Superman resonated. You know, when I first wrote it, I didn't realize there was like seven other Superman songs. <laughs> and I probably never would have written it. But I, I think over the years, the reason why it's kind of still resonates is that I kind of, it speaks to our basic humanity is at the end of the day, we're just human. You know, right. we'd love to be Superman, love to fly, you know. Um, but um, at the end of the day, we do the best we can. So yeah, that's where it came from. I never could have imagined it would kind of take on the scale that it did. But, um, you know, even to today, the song makes a difference. And as a songwriter, that's a true blessing. Oh, it's great stuff. It's one of those that you hear it and I'm right back in that time period, yeah. the early 2000s. Uh, and yeah. I'm ho I am hope you don't get confused, like you're saying, hope you don't get confused with Three Doors Down or or the great John, okay. Will John Williams. <laughs> those are great songs too. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. Well, they'll say the same about yours. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the next album was just equally as big, maybe even bigger, went platinum, Battle for Everything in 2004. Uh, another all-timer, if you ask me, 100 years, you know. Um it's recognizable from those first opening piano notes, but sort of how did you get the idea to sort of take us through, you know, age 15, 22, 33, 45, you know, it kind of, it, it, it sort of covers a life cycle in, in a way. Uh, it's, it's a brilliant idea. I want to know when it came to you. Yeah. You know, it was actually really hard to, to follow up Superman. You know, how do you follow that song? You know, it'd become like a song for nine 11 and, and a lot of young songwriters tend to kind of regurgitate their hit. You write the same song again. And I was struggling kind of finding the concept and and a song that could follow Superman, but kind of stand on its own. It took me a couple of years, but I think it really came from kind of the cliche, you know, appreciate the moment, recognize the moment, right? That's what 100 years is really about. And frankly, I'm, I'm not a person who was great at that. At that time in my life, I was kind of dwelling on, you know, things I should have done in the past or pushing the goalpost. And, and I was sitting one day with my kids, they were two and three years old, kind of sitting there and it kind of just hit me of, look, man, I mean, life's not always easy. Life's not always great. But right now you got a healthy family. You have a song that people know. Um, be grateful. Recognize the moment. At least recognize the moment. And then that kind of triggered, well, what if there's this kind of song, you know, a wish is never better than this, 100 years to live. Maybe the verses are stages of our lives. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of what kicked it off. You know, usually these kind of creative, th these creative ideas come in bursts, you know, I wish I was Elton John or I wish I was Paul McCartney that every day I could write a standard. You know, <laughs> most of us, most of us are not. Most of so, us mere mortals can't. Yeah. Do that. So, so these bursts kind of come when you're least expecting it and you have to recognize them and then take the time to write it down. And it took, you know, it took three months to craft the song, you know, Superman came very quickly, but it took three months to craft that song. And, um, but I think we did accomplish that. And, and I think you're right. I think for many folks, especially the younger generation, you know, hundred years, it's probably um, more significant in the culture than Superman because 
it's in so many home videos <laughs> and yeah, graduations and weddings and funerals. It's still kind of that song. So, um, so once I had that song and it came out, I, I was, you know, I wasn't a one hit wonder and probably today that's why we're still doing these shows is, is those songs still resonate. It's a good way to look at it. Yeah. There's, there's songs that are radio hits, which this one was obviously, but there's other songs that are, you know, you could play at a wedding and there's other songs that are like, you're saying home video. Uh, what do you call it? Like highlight montage songs, <laughs> you can put your own family footage to, and this is perfect for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. talk that's longevity, baby. That's job security. Uh, well, we won't keep you all, all, all day, but I, I do want to hit two lights really fast because the riddle and world were, were pretty big hits too, at least you know, like adult con contemporary stuff. Um, are you, you still pretty proud of that album? Do you think it still holds up? I haven't heard it in a while, but I should go back. It's interesting, you know, world in particular, even though the riddle was a, a, a hit, hit song, whatever that is, you know, yeah. world never really kind of caught fire, but. Since then, it's it's become used in so many charities and and really kind of defined a lot of what I'm doing with Ukraine and Afghanistan and and a lot of the our troops and the Gary Sinise Foundation. Um, so that song really represents kind of more my life than the others. And uh, we open with it. You know, what kind of world do you want? And I do these keynotes and I do a, lo a lot of this stuff that really kind of came from that song. So it's interesting. A lot of songs of mine that weren't hit songs in many ways are as important to me or more important than others. And that's just kind of the nature of, of songwriting and, and be a musician. But yeah, you know, chances, you know, from the blind side, some folks, that's all yeah. they know about Fire for Fighting, you know, the, the song <laughs> Chances from the blind side, because they, they never it. had the album Slice. They yeah, just you know, know it from so, the movie. So, you know, and then even What If from, you know, so, and the from new bookmark, song. From Bookmarks, yeah. Yeah, and the Ukraine song, the Afghanistan song, you know, those are songs that never, got one spin on the radio, but got tens of millions of views and were on television and all these things that frankly, Superman and, and hundred years never had, you know? So it's just interesting how songs find their way. And, and I'm just, you know, blessed to still be doing it and have people who, you know, kind of still care about my point of view. I love it. Well, we definitely care about the point of view and thanks for taking time to share some of it, I guess in final seconds, like what, what's next? Do we have another album coming out? Are you just touring like crazy? You have any other movie soundtracks like you mentioned, or what? What we got coming up next? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean we got the BNL tour this summer, doing some quartet shows in Cali in September. Got some new songs in the hopper. Uh, continuing to work on Afghanistan evacuations and and some Ukraine stuff. So there'll be more on that front, and even working with uh, some of the folks up on the hill there on some of these on some of these projects. So um, from both sides of the aisle. So got a lot of a lot of folks in your town kind of supporting some of this stuff and. And uh, I'm grateful for their support as well. Now, when you mention, you know, Ukraine, Afghanistan, refugees, evacuations, like you just said, are you saying you're writing songs, more songs about that or actually pushing, you know, in, in real life, like, you know, helping lobbying for it? Well, you know, when Blood in My Hands came out, I started getting emails from many Afghan, uh, Afghan allies and Americans trapped to me, which was just insane. Yeah. So I, I joined some of these NGOs doing evacuations and um, we still are doing it. Two years later, uh, there's 13 girls still in Pakistan. We're trying to get out. Um, Scott Mann, you know, Save Our Allies, Operation Pineapple, Project Exodus Relief. And those are some of the folks that took me to Ukraine, too, because they're doing heroic operations there. So for whatever reason, I'm certainly not on the ground, but I'm kind of active in these operations, trying to connect some dots and get these get these folks out and do the best we can. And I'll tell you, you know, in a cynical world, in a cynical time, you meet some of these former Green Berets doing this work, 
some of these families and it inspires you. It makes you proud to be an American and uh, we're going to do the right thing no matter what. And uh, I'm grateful to be partnered with some amazing folks. Oh, that's great. Well, mad respect for all of that, too, in addition to a career of, of great music that is that is still going, just getting started, John Andrasic. Hey, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, again, Five for Fighting, love the name. Five for Fighting is coming to the Anthem here in D.C. on July 5th, and uh, I don't know if you've ever played there before, but it's it's a really cool spot right there on the wharf, right on the water there, so you're going to have a good time. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Well, thank you, Jason. Pleasure talking to you. Look forward to seeing everybody you know, right around the 4th of July. And hello to all my friends in D.C. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us. Right on, buddy. Take care. see ya. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.